There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Welcome. This week on Max Mike Movies, we give you what you've been silently begging for all this time. An in-depth, comprehensive history of this podcast. Journey with us back through the mists of time to that fateful confluence of events that brought our podcast to the world. The scene, a shabby living room with a card table. Pass the shrimp dumplings. Uh, uh, yeah, here. Hey, uh, you want to do a podcast? Like, uh, I don't know, about movies? Okay. And the rest is history. Join us for the highs and lows, the heartbreaks and the joys. Join us for when Max's compulsive betting on alpaca fights nearly tore the show apart. You're betting on what now? Uh, Or how Mike's tragic addiction to black market Chia Pets nearly ruined both their lives. Alright, that's it. Stop referring to us in the third person and just get to the movie already. Okay, okay. In this latest entry in our series, ladies and gentlemen, The Beatles... We're checking out 1978's Mock You, Rock You mentory, The Ruffles, All You Need Is Cash, a loving yet sometimes savage parody of the many, many Beatles documentaries, and perhaps even the band itself. I'm your host, Stax Ravine, and over there is your other host, Pike Spruce. Uh, Pike? Oh, I kind of like that. You Now you have to call me Pike. Yeah. Okay, Pike. Yay! <laughs> but first, Ooh. we have a po- we have to get to our poll question. Poll question. Poll question. Last week was, what band or singer's music do you think should be made into a jukebox musical, or do you just think the whole form is a bad idea? Yeah. yeah from Dave, Dave, we have. I don't even like Rush that much, but I think a great jukebox musical movie could be made from their stuff. Mm. Couldn't be done on stage. Very true. They have at least one sort of concept album that I think was trying to uh, tell a story. Yeah. Name of which I cannot remember. Mm. Rush uh, in the movies. I think that's what it's called. (laughs) Rush in the movies. No, I think it's called Rush Mania. Rush out the door. (laughs) Chrissy Becker gets points for... Uh, the most distinctive answer, I've co-written an Elton John musical that I think doesn't suck. Dang. Wow. I have an outline for a Fleetwood Mac one. Wow. I think a Florence and the Machine slash Hozier combo could be interesting. Hozier or Hoosier? I don't know who Hozier. Who, no, H-O-Z-I-E-R. Hmm. I don't know who they are, but what? damn, that, that's a heck of an answer. I'll say. I, I want to hear wow. them now. <laughs> I kind of want to see this mute this Elton John music. Yeah, uh, Geneva Brunetti responds. Ah. Chrissy, uh, Chrissy Becker can confirm did not suck. Dang. Okay. Cool. I loved it, and it made me want to be a part of the Killers musical we did the next year. Huh? Why are the Killers? That would be something. Is that a band? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they must play with Hoover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or is it Hoover? Uh, Valerie, please stop telling people I'm related to Mike Coons. <laughs> Writes, not a fan. Oh. Oh, oh, of, of jukebox movies. Phew. Oh, I thought she meant us. Uh, <laughs> I, might be interested if, I might be interested if Studio Ghibli or the like took on a band like Yes or the Moody Blues or Kansas. Ooh. But, an, but, that, but another Mamma Mia? No thanks. Yeah, right with you there. One was too many. But, wow, Studio Ghibli and the Moody Blues. Or, or yes. Yes, or Kansas. That could be really interesting. Um, I hate to say this. Wasn't there, in fact, a sequel to Mamma Mia? <laughs> yes, there was. I think it was like Mamma Mia Mia. Or, I thought yeah, it was called Ma- just That's a Spicy Meatball. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was Mamma Mia, Atsamata for you. Yeah. Um, Richard Tatum says, I'm with Val on this. I pretty much hate the form. I think it's twee and pandering. Mm. I'd rather listen to a cover album. Oh. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Steve Kellner writes, not a huge fan of jukebox musicals, but there have been some credible attempts. I actually liked Rocket Man a good deal, mm. which was kind of an intersection between a musical with unrealistic musical tropes and memoir, so it had a real spine of a story, however fantastic in execution. 
Of course, a lot of com concept albums, I almost said combat albums, <laughs> are really just that, a musical written in rock form. Tommy by The Who, of course, which I think was a mediocre movie at best because Pete Townsend never really pulled together a coherent story, but it had some remarkable see uh, scenes. Kiss's album, Music from the Elder, which at one point was supposed to actually be a movie of some sort, or so they claimed, probably some others I can't come up with. Now that I think of it, would you count Yellow Submarine, which I love, as a jukebox musical? Yes. Sure. I mean, it's not a jukebox in that it's only one uh, group, but yeah, why not? Well, I thought jukebox referred to literally songs that were not themselves put together as to make a musical, True. but were just popular True. songs thrown into, sometimes very badly, uh, make yeah. a story. Yeah. Uh, Nick Gasparonis writes, The one artist that comes to mind is David Bowie. Mm. His music is diverse, and a lot of it would do well in a music in a musical setting. Oh, I see, like musical film setting. Right. Sure. <laughs> yes, David Bowie's music would be musical at some point. He should record <laughs> that. <laughs> Jamie Kleinert, Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, wow. Their oeuvre is so broad and diverse, it would be a lot of fun to put to some kind of story together with their catalog, and it would be an interesting tale. Although, in general, jukebox musicals are not my favorite. Huh. Matthew Reisman says, while there are a couple of jukebox musicals I've liked, my general opinion is that they're terrible. <laughs> I don't wish any more into existence. Okay, apparently he's not going to tell us which ones. Okay, that's fine. Uh, we, apparently we have to uh, go to his OnlyFans for that. Hmm. Uh, Nick Hoffman writes, I, I'm thinking it's weird that someone hasn't done this to the Beatles, except discount the decades of Beatlemania performances. Nick, we just talked about two yeah. that did exactly that. Yeah. I, and Steve brings up a third Yellow Submarine. Right. So, yeah. um, hmm. maybe, so oh, you know what, maybe it's like that mythical fourth Indy Jones film that people keep claiming happened. Oh, yeah, that nonsense, <laughs> yeah. And, of course, from the Great White North... Vince writes, Snowy. while there are some decent examples of jukebox movies, I would say the that American Graffiti is one. Hmm, okay, I hadn't thought of that one. And Moulin Rouge was entertaining in general. Please don't. <laughs> what, ones that mix artists are more successful than ones that try to force a story into a catalog of some band and instead use the music as more of a background character that says something about the time and place of the film. Mostly, they all come off medleys in some 70s TV variety hour, <laughs> which, are in, which I include in the list of crimes against humanity. <laughs> I can't really argue with that. No, the 70s have a lot to answer for. That's a they, they do, a true kidney stone of a decade. Yeah, yeah if you had the, the words variety hour or and friends, it yeah. generally meant you were in trouble. An hour's worth really, of pain. If, if you had the word hour... I think yeah. that was enough. And sadly, yeah. you're right. Even if it just said hour. Yeah. Except for the Smother Brothers. The Smothers Brothers oh, comedy hour true. is actually funny. That's true. That's true. So but funny. I think they, they were the exception. The <laughs> yeah. But thank you all so yes. much for your answers. There will be bumpy bucks beyond counting heading your ways. But, Max. Yes, we who, do have a new one. No, we have to ask you. Who yes. would you make a oh, right. jukebox musical out of? Honestly, the one I'd like to see, Warren Zevon. Ooh, that'd be depressing. Yeah. It would be dark. <laughs> it would be nasty. It would be Hunter Thompson-esque. I just, I would love to see a movie that was just loaded with Warren Zevon. Huh. I really. What about you? I really only know Excitable Boy, but it's a hell of an album. If you don't know Warren Zevon, one of David Letterman's favorite singer-songwriters, do check out Excitable Boy. There's not a bad song. Yeah. On. Um, and it's he's not really like anyone else. <laughs> he is. I think he's unique. I think he's distinctive. I loved his voice. I saw him live a bunch of times, and no two shows were ever the same. Man. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to go with yes. I would. I, I think yes, the early stuff, not, you know, um, 902-6147, whatever that album was. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> I, I think that their early stuff, I mean, here, well, they're much more rock opera-ish, if you want to be uh -huh. all snooty, because a lot of their stuff, being prog, tends to be very long and operatic and sometimes very orchestral. Um, that being said, I think it would be more the kind of jukebox musical where you definitely would want to light up before you went. <laughs> um, other than that, it is a tricky and slippery slope. I really liked Moulin Rouge. I really did. Part of it because they weren't really taking the songs seriously in some cases. They weren't so reverent 
bowing down to the songs. There was definitely mm. some fun with them. Um, and the people that got to sing them and perform them were just like, really? I did not know that he could sing. I did not yeah. know she could sing. Yep. Um, and the energy in that film is just incredible. It um, is. So, but I, I, I tend to like jukebox movies that I think, as Vince says, have a someone says has a bunch of different uh, uh, artists in it, yeah. as opposed to, as you say, you know, trying to turn the thing into a concept album. Yeah, maybe if you stuck to an era, um, it might yeah. work. But like, I like the movie Sing. I think that's adorable. Yeah, Sing's nice. And the thing is, is that the songs in the, that movie are sung as people just singing the song. It's not like they're bending them to the plot. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, especially the one about the shoes. I love my shoes. I love my <laughs> shoes. <laughs> it's the best song in it, um, which I'm guessing has to be the real songs. But yes, Max, please. We have a new uh, we do. poll question. What obscure or at least lesser known comic book character absolutely needs their own movie? <laughs> Comic book movies are everywhere. Oh, and it doesn't have to be a superhero. Oh. How about hot stuff? Oh, God. The Little Devil. Come on. Or, or, or Dot Polka. Or one of the weird Harvey. Come on. get Reach out there. Who in like the, the weird indie comics world? Or somebody from Love and Rockets. Who needs their own movie? Okay. And you can tell us. Oh, we uh, have to wait. Because that, that'll keep you listening it's to the rest secret. of the show. <laughs> yep. But we tell you how to get in touch with us, but it's a secret. <laughs> but it can only be revealed by listening to any of our other episodes, but we'll tell you at the end. And speaking of trivia, let's get to... Trivia. The show. Budget? $200,000. That much, huh? Yeah. And box office, well, this was a TV special. It was basically, a, you know, I made for TV, love you, so yeah. there isn't. Oh. Uh, this was directed by Eric Idle and Gary Weiss. Who I was sitting there going, why do I know that name? Because he used to do a whole lot of short films on Saturday Night Live. Mm. At least in the early days, you would see, and now a film by Gary Weiss. In his, in quotes, memoir, which is available on the DVD, Eric Idle talks about what the Beatles thought of this movie. Mm. According to him, George Harrison was very supportive and encouraged him. Paul McCartney disapproved at first, but relented when he learned that Idol grew up near Liverpool. Oh, see, now I actually heard that he relented when he found out that his wife thought it was funny. Yeah, apparently Linda loved it. Yeah. Ringo Starr liked the happier scenes, but felt the scenes that, scenes that mimicked satire times hit too close. Oops. I can kind of see that. John Lennon, along with Yoko Ono, adored this movie, and when Idol gave them a screener videotape, they refused to give it back. <laughs> At Lennon, he, he, he told, the thing is, he told Neil Innes, uh, who is both the songwriter and, uh, I think he was uh, nasty. Mm. No, no, he's nasty. Yep. He's in it. Uh, that get the song Get Up and Go was just too similar to Get Back and to be careful not to be sued by ATV Music, which owned the Beatles catalog at the time. That's, very That's why it's not on the soundtrack for the movie. Ah, it's very kind of him, Mr. Lennon. Yes. Neil Innes, Ricky Fatar, and John Halsey regrouped in 1996 oh. to record Archaeology, their sort of satirical response to the Beatles' anthology. Ah. Well, it now, consisted of two... They actually are the ones who sing on the album, right? Because Eric Idle doesn't yes. sing. No, he doesn't. Uh, I'll get to who his voice is. Ah. Uh, it, Ricky Fatar is an interesting sort, too. I mean, John Hal Neil Innes... Neil Innes, we all know from Monty Python, he wrote all... He wrote all the songs, basically. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I knew he collaborated, but... Yeah. Maybe not all of them, but he wrote most of them. Uh, the movie, uh, Archaeology, it had a lot of music that is, that is not used in this movie, rearranged. It also rearranged Neil Innes' solo songs and had one song that was a spoof of Free as a Bird. Uh, Eric Idle did not take part in this. The album's press material explained that Dirk McQuickley had quit the music business to become a comedian. <laughs> now, Neil Innes was originally part of the Bonzo Doodah Dog Band, mm. and that meant he had an actual cameo in the real Beatles movie Magical Mystery Tour. Ooh. Yeah. Ricky Fatar, who is the drummer, uh, no, he's not the no. drummer, excuse me, he's the bass player. He's Stig. He's, he's sort of, yeah, Stig, he's the sort of the George Harrison character, the quiet one. 
He doesn't have a single spoken line in the movie. No. Uh, Ricky Fattar also, though, well, you may not know him as an actor, he was the a drummer, singer, and songwriter with the Beach Boys from 1971 to 1974. Oh, well, not their yeah. heyday, admittedly, but... No, no. Uh, <laughs> the Liverpool poet Roger McGough, who gets introduced as the movie, in the movie as a man who knew the Ruttles. <laughs> That's his whole thing, despite the fact they talk about his the Liverpool poet. He knows everything about Liverpool. Did you know the Ruttles? Yes. And then, the, all right, now. <laughs> they turn away. He was also the co-producer and uncredited co-writer of Yellow Submarine. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. There is a scene where Michael Palin is supposed to be the press agent, and he's being interviewed by someone. Did you recognize the interviewer? No, I was sitting there going, is that Michael Palin? What's he doing? Well, of course I knew what he was doing yeah. here. The interviewer was George Harrison. Oh, yes, 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 I did. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, many of my notes are just George Harrison, Michael yep. Palin, and stuff like yep. that. Time Magazine reported that that's, in that scene was the first time Palin and Harrison had ever talked to each other. Oh. It made Palin realize, he said that Harrison was not some larger-than-life idol, but just an extremely talented person, very accessible, witty, interested in a lot of stuff. Uh, he turned out to know every single Monty Python sketch word for word. He also came across as someone far from the quiet one, being a very enthusiastic talker. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I guess they haven't made Life of Brian yet? Not, not quite yet, ah, but even okay. so... Uh, he was he was not like he was on set. No, but he paid for it. <laughs> yes, he did. He did. George Harrison, that is, not Michael Palin. Yes. No. The primetime show, oh yeah, sorry, the Ruttles originally began as a sketch on Eric Idle's UK show, Rutland Weekend Television, in 1975. It showed the band with Eric Idle as Harrison playing a slower version of I Must Be in Love in their movie, A Hard Day's Rut. Lorne Michaels, this is where the first time I saw the Ruttles, Lorne Michaels aired the clip on Saturday Night Live in 1975 when Idol was hosting, which led to a deal for the television special. Yeah, Lorne Michaels produced, was basically the reason this got on TV. Yeah. The primetime show of, of All You Need Is Cash on NBC came in 65th place yes! in the Nielsen ratings. That was dead last. Oh. For the week of March 20th to 26th, 1978. Were you able to find out when it was, like, what day and what time it was shown? Day and what time? Well, because no, it matters. It was if prime had... time. Well, okay, because it was on, like, Friday night at 10. The no, old... it was on at 8 p.m. I just don't know what day. Okay. Because that's that was the uh, Star Trek death knell. I've been rereading a lot of Star Trek, and it's like, let's move um... Star Trek to Friday night at 10. That'll get your audience in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's that's pretty much all I've got, except for some of the stuff that's going to be mixed in with my notes. Yeah, I was actually worried that it's like, is there going to be a lot of trivia about this? There's a surprising amount. There's, yeah. there's a... Made for TV doesn't usually engender a lot of um, discussion, but we're going to change that. But first, yes, we are. I first, did, the, 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 the hmm, plot. plot? Mm. I'm guessing it's not going to be very long. But Max, would well, you? Sure. Here we have the too familiar story of the rise and fall of the semi-fictional band, the Ruttles. Definitely to be confused with the Beatles. <laughs> Director and star Eric Idle takes us through a painfully thinly disguised history of the Beatles, sorry, the Ruttles, and we see the meteoric rise to fictional fame of Dirk, Stig, Nasty and Barry, and of course, Lepo, <laughs> and their absurd collapse into abject, if somewhat baffling, failure. With hints of the complete Beatles and various Alan Wicker documentaries, not to mention some rather surprising guest stars, all You Need Is Cash takes direct aim at Beatles documentaries and documentaries in general at times, with perhaps a few gentle nudges at the fab for themselves. A few. That's really it. The lowdown. So, Max, now you uh, mentioned that you saw the clip on SNL, which does not surprise me, uh, <laughs> as Max has every episode of SNL in his head at all times. Because I hate myself. <laughs> so you saw that clip and probably at the time thought, oh, that yeah. was fun. I thought that was cute. Yeah, wow, that's kind of clever. But did but you, well, were you aware of the movie when it came out, like to watch it on TV? I did. That was the first time I saw it. Did you videotape I was it? Like, 
I, I did not. Uh-huh. I didn't own a VCR at that point. In fact, I don't think there were. I'm not sure there were VCRs. In 78, no, not really. I mean, there yeah, were, but that, that's they weren't they very common. We didn't have one. Yeah. I'll tell you that. So did you just aim your uh, Super 8 camera at the TV? <laughs> <laughs> nope. I just stared at it with all three eyes. Yeah. I mean, 78, obviously, very long time. Do you remember your reaction to it? Did you? I thought it was hilarious because it, re- it was Eric friggin' Idol. And at that point, I was so into Monty Python. Oh, yeah. No. I loved Monty Python. Well, that would change. No, no, it wouldn't. No, it would not. <laughs> it would, in fact, not. And yeah. I was just so happy to see Eric Idle and Michael Palin. I was mostly I was wondering, where are all the others? Where's Graham? Where's John? Where's Terry? Yeah, and Terry. And Terry. Um, yeah, you know the the stereotype of the geeky, nerdy um, D&D players who quote Monty Python ad infinitum that's yes. us <laughs> yes yes it was and is although we managed to restrain ourselves a little bit more except when we're around each other yeah well, then we became like python hipsters is like yeah well everybody knows that's good <laughs> yeah we, we liked it before it was cool well do you know the la version or are you d- <laughs> okay um so if you saw it then and i want to yeah. say that you got a copy of it later I think I did, yes. Because I I don't know how else I would have seen it. I never heard yeah. of it. So either you or another friend of ours, who I won't mention, Dan. Oh, damn! Uh, <laughs> I Somebody think, had a video had a, v- a videotape copy of it. And we watched it. And that would yep. have been early 80s sometime, I would think. And have you seen it since then? Nope. Okay, so nope. this is a whole bunch of nostalgia. And we'll get back to whether that's a good thing or a bad thing yep. later. Yeah, the intro, by the way, where Eric Idle is wearing the trench coat a la Alan Wicker and walking behind a tracking shot on a truck, which starts to speed up and he has to run, (laughs) is basically right out of, I believe, The Complete Beatles, a documentary that's surprisingly hard to find. Well, and what's interesting as I read is that the reason they did this, or they... um one of the reasons that they came into this mockumentary was because they had seen an early cut of this and they're like, oh, well, we got to take this down a few pegs. Um, it was actually two different things going on. So they had Neil Innes, who came up with these songs, hauntingly like the Beatles. Very and, disturbingly. And apparently then Eric Idle had this idea to do a documentary starring the world's most boring presenter, so boring that the camera kept walking away from him, or in this case, <laughs> driving away from him. And they literally yeah. put it together, and that's what they got. Rutland, I believe it, as a bit of trivia, is the smallest county in England. And oh. so the whole idea of Rutland weekend television is so, the idea yeah. of why would anyone care what's going on in Rutland? It's so small. What do they know? Um, that's what uh, I found out anyway. I just I loved his deadpan delivery of lines like a musical legend that will last a lunchtime. Yeah, he's uh, he's not doing his wicker. I actually like when no. he's doing his wicker. No, he, he's not going over the top. No. And, um, yeah. but he's not quite doing that um, here. I was very. I mean, it seems to me, and I don't know that it, it lists Gary Weiss as the co-director. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing Neil Ennis had a lot of input in this, although I don't know. Oh, yeah. Did you see anything that had to, uh, it would tell us if he was mostly just the songs or he was part of the writing or? I believe he was mostly the musical director. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about the songs? Sure. Let's talk about the songs. They're too good. So, they are uncomfortably on target. Yes. And it's really kind of upset. I remember being really upset by this. Especially the one, I Must Be In Love. Yeah. It's like, but these lyrics are so inane. Because, you know, it's, I feel good, I feel, I feel good, bad, I feel I'm bad, happy, I feel happy, I feel, I feel sad, I feel sad, I'm in lo- am I in love, uh, I must be in love. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, oh yeah, I want to tell you something I think you'll understand when I tell you something I want to hold your hand. I mean, oh God, some of those lyrics were so bland. <laughs> Well, I saw this little interview with Neil Innes, and he said it literally started off with, I had a list of things. That's it. I had a list. I feel good. I feel bad. I feel happy. I feel sad. I'm in love. I must be in love. Like, that's it. Like, that's all it took. Um, the oh, the song you talked about, uh, which is Get Up and Go, th- yeah. I, I think that once they get to the refrain, it's not like Get Back at all. But the no. guitar part, when they open it... The guitar opening... Is the opening to get back? Yeah. I'm sorry, it just is. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sure Billy Preston wasn't fond of that either. 
Well, we didn't ask Billy Preston, so we don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. Perhaps if you'll play the cornet for us, he'll turn from a weather vane into <laughs> Billy Preston and let us know what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I mean, and some of this like goose step mama. I, I think that's supposed to. You no, know, I have no idea. That was, I don't know what that was. Or with a girl like you, which is pretty much if I fell in love with you. Yeah. It, that's the problem is that this is obviously Neil Innes is really good with music. I saw another interview where he basically said, I did not sit there and study the Beatles songs. I basically said, well, this one sounds like this. I'll try and do something like that. So to his credit, he's parodying without doing direct, you know, Oh, it, this one's G sharp. I'll do G. You know, he's not doing anything yeah. like that. No. And what these songs really come off is more like, when the British Invasion started with the Stones and the Beatles mostly, there was a bunch of other bands that otherwise oh, no one yeah. would ever have heard of. And I'm looking at, uh, uh, what's it, Jeremy? Um, oh, Chet, Chad, and, Chad Jeremy, and Jeremy. Who honestly were only famous for showing up on two different sitcoms at the time. Yep. Or, or I no, guess Dick Batman. Van Dyke. Uh, yeah. ba Batman is a sitcom, I suppose. They were on Batman? Yeah, they played the... Um, uh, no, were they Chad and Jeremy? They were Chad and Jeremy on Batman. Oh, and then okay. they were... Um, the Redcoats on Dick Van Dyke. That's right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They weren't Chad and Jeremy. They had friends named Chad and Jeremy back in Britain. No, no, no. That uh, was Dick Van Dyke. I take it back. They were Chad okay. and Jeremy. Okay, we're getting way too involved that's, in that's this. Fine. But yeah. they would do songs that were catchy and fun and not entirely un-Beatles-like. <laughs> and that's what these songs are. They put the album yeah. on. I owned the CD. I think I still do somewhere. And I used to put it on at work partially to see if people would notice you know like oh it's like is this the beat no that's not the beatles cheese and onions what's wait nobody did oh. <laughs> nobody actually noticed um and i honestly think that's a problem with this film the songs are too good uh, the problem for me with the songs is they go on too long because it's not that they're too good most of them are kind of dull because they don't have the beatles had oh they every song had like a hook yeah or it had some really clever harmonies yeah. or remarkable good it had something that made it the Beatles. Yeah. This is sort of the Beatles with the Beatles extracted. It's like the bare <laughs> minimum of the Beatles. Not the Beatles, but an incredible simulation. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. I I, I, th I think it's impressive, but it makes it kind of tiresome to listen to, and they play them for quite a while. I mean, some of it like ouch. <laughs> instead of help, which is just so odd. I love that. Okay, well, there's filming in Switzerland, but they're clearly on a beach. Yeah, with fake Switzerland, palm trees. I don't think has beaches. No, it's landlocked. Um, that was the only one of their songs that, and this is the, the problem I have with their songs that I thought was even at all funny. Now, I didn't look up the definition of the word parody. I should, but shouldn't a parody be funny? <laughs> yeah, the songs it, again. I still think cheese and onions is funny because you know it's making it's a submarine sandwich as opposed to yellow submarine. Well, yeah, but it's so, true. The songs are not funny. And let's this will come back to later on. But I just wanted to quickly look up the actual definition. The definition of parody is an imitation of the style of a particular writer, artist, or genre with deliberate exaggeration for comedic effect. Honestly, Neil Innes is too good a songwriter. <laughs> I think that's yeah, the problem. Now, sure. Most of the rest of the stuff, though, I mean, the songs, yeah. They're, sorry, go on. I was going to say, he's riffing on the Beatles. So he's got yeah. a really great foundation to start with. And they are parod parodical? What's that word? Yeah, parodic, they're I just, guess. Parodic. Not, they're not funny. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I used to play the, the album. I don't think it's a favorite album, but it's like, they're, they're fun in that... We're not the Beatles, but we're a knockoff kind of way from the 60s. Other songs, you know, bands would show up and get one hit and then wander off, you know, like the art. Yeah. Yeah. The music is not the reason to watch this. But Well, some of the reasons to watch this is who's going to show up next? The first yeah, one, I guess, crap. Paul Simon. Which, Dick Jagger? Well, Paul Simon, I get. Because yeah. Paul Simon must have been a friend of uh, Lorne Michaels for the number of times and how early yeah. he showed up on Saturday Night Live. Because I think, wasn't he the first musical guest? I don't. I honestly don't remember. But if he, he wasn't, he was one of the first five. But he showed up, what, Was it was a chicken suit, wasn't it? <laughs> Didn't Paul Simon show up in a chicken that suit? That was later. But that still. was actually later. Yes, it was. He shows up. 
that is one of, to me, the greatest moments of television comedy in history. It's the Thanksgiving show, and Paul Simon walks out in a full-body turkey costume. That's right. Absolutely deadpan, looking just weary, and starts singing still crazy after all these years. And it's, I, I almost hurt myself laughing, and it's still, every time I see it, it makes me laugh. But... Yes, but he's in it. Mick, Mick Jagger! <laughs> uh, How <sir>. the hell? <laughs> well, this is the only thing I can think of. I'm guessing Eric Idle and George Harrison were friends before Life of Brian. Otherwise, how would they be able to ask yes. him for $5 million? Yes, if you, yeah. Maybe George was still was friendly with Mick. I don't know. We, this is all speculation. But Mick, uh, if you read, yep. I was going to say, Mick seems perfectly happy to be there. There is lots oh, of footage of. He's he's really he's really good in it because he's taking it so seriously. Yeah. I still like the idea of you know, oh yeah, you know they would come down and you know we were asking them. They came and said, "You want us to do a song for you? You want us to write a song?" And we were like, "Sure." And they went around to the pub. Half an hour, they came back with a song. And it was horrible, and we never recorded it. <laughs> it that that was perfect. Yeah. I, I just I, I love that, and I like that. You know, Paul Simon is so serious about how what a big influence they are. And, yeah. Um, and the next one that pops up, and now this, of course, is less surprising when I found it that Lauren Michaels had anything to do with this. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Bill is, Murray as a DJ in Flushing. <laughs> yeah, named Bill the Murray. <laughs> yeah. Because you know the Murray. Okay. Uh, and he brings it. He's only in one scene, but my God, the energy level. Yeah. How so many, I mean, Dan Aykroyd's in it. Yes. Well, you know, because, and he's, but he, his part is just mostly grunting. Because <laughs> oh, he plays. It's so perfect. He plays I, I, Brian Thigh. Right. The, guy, the man who is famous for turning down the ruddles. This, by the way, is based <laughs> on a real guy, uh, a guy named, unfortunately, Dick Rowe mm. from Decca Records, who refused to sign the Beatles. Yeah. Well, there you go. And I, and I, I do like Eric. Well, as you say, it has one of the funniest lines in the film. Oh, yeah. Where they sit there, <laughs> you know, you did not sign the Ruttles. You had a chance to sign them and you didn't. And what do you think now? Blah, 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 blah. blah. And then finally he said, I'll give this to you, Max. He yeah. finally just says to, you know, Brian Thigh, How does it feel to be such an asshole? <laughs> And they got what? And that's then they cut away. Yeah. And John Belushi, another SNL, he's in there. Rod Stewart. Yeah. Uh, David Frost is in there briefly. Well, Rod Stewart is in in, as a photo. And David Stewart. Oh, Rod Stewart's talking. Oh, that was him talking. Yes. Wow. Okay. (laughs) It's actually Rod Stewart. We we have archival footage of Ed Sullivan, and uh, (laughs) also, did you recognize the Hell's Angel? Outside of Ruttlecore. I didn't at first, and then I saw it in the credits, and right. it... That was Ronnie Wood that's right. from the Rolling Stones. Right. And he was... He looks like he's having such a good time. He's explaining about how, yeah, Stig... Uh, yes, apparently they found a group of Hell's Angels living in the basement of Ruttlecore, which is, of course, the parody of Applecore, their studio. Yeah. And when Stig... And who punched Stig when they he asked them to leave. And... There's Ronnie Wood as a Hell's Angel, and he looks like a Hell's Angel with this sort of delicate little girl next to him, and saying, "Yeah, so so who who actually hit him?" And he points at the girl, and goes, "Big Valerie." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, we were shocked, but we couldn't do anything. Why not? Well, she thumped me. <laughs> <laughs> We get Gilda Radner towards the very yep. end of the film where he's uh, just like, oh, and everyone remembers the Ruddles. Let's ask this young lady here. It's like, ma'am, you know who the Ruddles are? And she's like, no, I've never heard of them. And he's like, no, 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 tell us, who are the Ruddles? I I, I don't know. I've never heard of them. He said, please, I really have to go. I've never heard of the Ruddles. He's like, no, tell us. And he finally just like, in a way, it's, it's he, kind of creepy, but. Yeah, he like forces her and she immediately turns into this Ruttles scholar and hijacks the interview, takes the microphone from him in a way that only Gilda Radner could have done. It's so perfect because she could go from absolutely normal to crazy in two seconds flat. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite character name in the film was Cuban guerrilla leader Shea Stadium. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you notice in the, the, because they're making, they're parodying when the Beatles played Shea Stadium, and when they show the name on the screen, they spell it C H E yeah. Stadium. 
There's also a very funny part where, for whatever reasons, uh, Eric Idle, who's play, I don't even remember his character's name, goes down. He's just the interviewer. Yeah, he goes down to New Orleans, <laughs> and <right>. he <laughs> he comes up to this guy named Blind Lemon Pie, and. <laughs> Yes, because he's trying to trace the black origins of the Ruttles music. And then Blind Lemon Pie is supposed to be obviously this this old blues player and stuff, and obviously where we got blues, rhythm and blues, rock and roll, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so is it true that the Ruttles got all of their music from you? Oh, no, not at all. And it's basically, he goes on to explain, I didn't do anything until they showed up, and then I just took everything from them. Um, he said, yeah, no, they got it from my neighbor, right. Ruffling Orange Peel, <laughs> who's like, yeah, they took everything from me. I wrote all this. And his wife was like, he is such a liar. <laughs> he said he, he, you know, he said the same thing about Lawrence Well. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Did. I wrote all. <laughs> that was pretty, yeah, uh, Ruffling Orange Peel. And I do peel. like, that again is a little shot, at because then like, uh, Eric Idle's like, well, um, we appear to have wasted a great deal of money to come down from New Orleans for, for nothing. Still, um, pretty, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and even the horrible pun. Yeah. When he's in New Orleans, it's like, and here we are at the banks of the Mississippi, and he is standing in the banking district. <laughs> like, oh, ow, come on. <laughs> yeah. There is a song in here that is not by Neil Innes. And I was ah. kind of surprised it was in there. Uh, it's a song about feet. Oh, that's right. That's actually from Robert Benchley. And Robert Benchley used to play a character. Yeah, he wrote Jaws? No. Please note, Mike is totally wrong. The actor's name was Richard Hayden. Uh, oh. He was a character, uh, a radio personality. And the only reason I know this and know this song is because, once again... He was on an episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Of course, he was. And he played a. I can't remember the. He played a character. Oh, was who, he the fish man? Yes, he was the fish man. He oh, did fish oh, imitations, he, and he okay. does that song or does that poem, feet, on the Dick Van Dyke Show. So yeah, it's like, a, the idea. That whole thing, what is it called? A thousand feet of feet, is, create is a film that was made by, uh, basically the Yoko Ono clone in this movie, the one that. Uh, the Nazi? That nasty, that, yeah, the Nazi woman whose father invented the limpet mine. Yeah. Or, who invent? no, that's right, her, her father invented World War II. And it's a parody of Yoko Ono who did a movie called Bottoms, which was basically like an hour of pictures of famous people's bare bottoms. Ah, uh. Yep. Which itself was a parody of just about anything Andy Warhol ever filmed. Um, yep. Sure. Um, so there was a little bit more to Lorne Michaels getting involved with this. And I didn't remember this, but apparently at one point, and I don't know who it was, somebody was literally offering, this was in the 70s, $20 million per Beatle if they would get back together and play a game. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember and this. And then, apparently on SNL... <laughs> they managed to somehow I think it was actually one of the shows where Eric Idle was hosting but they managed to get George Harrison to show up and George Harrison is show is is waving $3000. Oh no no you sorry you left out a step. Oh that's fine. Somebody uh, people have or, have offered a lo offered a lot of money but Lord Michaels did a whole thing where he went on the air during the show and offered the Beatles $3000 to to reunite. Yeah. And as he said, you know, you can divide it up any way you want. You can give Ringo less if you want. And, <laughs> and then the whole joke was later, he, he said, we, I've been given permission to raise the amount to $3,200. <laughs> and yes, George Harrison was a musical guest, and there's a scene of him arguing with Lorne about, and Lorne's like, I, I thought you understood it was $3,200 for all four of you. Yeah. And <laughs> that's one of the reasons Lorne was like, you know... You guys, the songs, documentary, let's do this. And that's why Broadway Video, his I think it's his company, um, put this together. Um, and that's how Lorne Michaels became involved, which is probably a good thing. Because I think that a lot, I mean, we certainly wouldn't have gotten any of the ready, not ready for primetime players in this, I don't probably think. Probably not. Um, and all, like, pretty much all of them, except for Garrett Morris and Lorraine Newman, show up in this. And for all I know, that's they're right. in the background somewhere. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got John Belushi there as... Uh, this the menace, the most feared producer in uh, in all of music, uh, Ron Decline. <laughs> and did you did you recognize his 
vicious hench thugs. No, I couldn't see them. That was Franken and Davis. Oh. Al Franken and Tom Davis. See, they have I, no lines. They just walk behind him and try to look menacing, which if you've ever seen Al Franken and Tom Davis is kind of tricky. Yeah, I saw them in the credits and I was like, oh, they must have been in there. I just missed them. I didn't realize that's who they were. Um, it's sadly, we see John Belushi for like 30 seconds and there's one yeah. point where he's sitting there doing this spiel where he's like, hey, you know, I want to take care of you. That's what somebody like me does. I protect you from people like me and he's talking to himself in a mirror as so he's not even yeah. talking to the ruddles um and he, i guess he took over after their one-legged band manager oh, yeah. leggy montbatten yeah which who is kind of i i'm not sure how i felt about him because he was kind of a nasty shot at brian epstein yeah well, they i do. mean it, leggy of course has one leg and spent most of his time hopping around liverpool and uh, as as his uh, mother says now nah, when the, did, did he like the Ruttles' music? No, no, he thought it was horrible. So what did he like? Uh, the trousers, <laughs> the tight trousers. He he, re he really liked the and all this. He really liked young men. And there's a lot of you know you know gay shots taken at him there. Because Brian Epstein, the Beatles' original yes. manager, was gay. Yes, and very much in the closet. Yeah, which is apparently... Because you had to be because it was a felony. Yeah. Well, we talk, we even talked about this, about how he's likely his outbursts of anger were probably yeah. because he was closeted. This is one of those things, It's I'm not sure exactly what the pro, the thought was for this. Like, is it just be to be shown once? Because it's literally, it's a, it's a weird length of time. It's like an hour and 16 minutes. So I'm guessing yeah, it, was, it, it was a 90 minute special. Yeah. And like a lot of things like that, is it meant to have a life? Is it not like yeah. TV back then was weird. A lot of times, like something like this would just go away. Uh, I think it was eventually released on VHS, but by the time that happened, I mean, it probably was close to 10 years later. And would people have remembered it or cared? I don't know. Um, so it's kind of I mean, you said they gave, what, $400,000? Uh, I think it was $200,000. Okay. I'm surprised they gave them that much because what could they get out? I don't know. I don't know. I don't it, know how much It was an interesting experiment. But at that point, 1978, you know, Saturday Night Live had become a massive hit. So right. I think Lauren Michaels, you know, mm -hmm. they were willing to take more of a chance. Didn't Lauren Michaels also do Second City? Don't think so. Okay. He, he did The Kids in the Hall. But oh, Second okay. City, no, Second City TV, anyway, was Canadian. Or, or so, so is Kids Lord. in the Hall. <laughs> yeah, so is Lauren Michaels. I, yes. I don't remember. I don't think so. Okay. But I, I'm not, I could be wrong. Well, he, he, it was a good experiment with uh, yeah. uh, Kids in the Hall, that's for sure. Um, and, and, of course, they did this Ruddles thing. They put out, a, 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 I'm guessing, I think it was uh, an actual LP of the Ruddles soundtrack, yeah. which had just yeah. the songs. It was, it was just the Ruddles. And if you didn't know, I think, honestly, you might buy this and think, oh, this is a 60s band I've never heard of. But gosh, they sure look a lot like the Beatles. Yeah. Um, and then, of course... You notice, the, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you have another point? They never make anything out of the fact that um, Stig is Indian. No. Well, not directly, no. Um, they mostly sort of pretend he's not there, which I can't quite tell is that meant to be parody or satire or what's... Well, I thought it was feeding into the whole his him be, the version that Stig, you know, was so in the background that people thought he was dead, and a whole conspiracy prop cropped up that Stig was dead, and there was lyrics in in there that said Stig is Stig's been dead for several years, honestly, which is of course a, a play on the thing up the rumor about Paul McCartney being dead. Well, but then now it was George that he was supposedly. Yeah, I, don't know. I know. They, they switched some of the stuff around. It yeah. felt a little weird that we have one non-white person in pretty much the entire film, and they don't get to talk, and it's a joke that they don't get to talk. Yeah, so yeah, eh. but a little course, uncomfortable. But of course, you know, with as I, as I was saying, the the Ruddles was made as a TV special, and we don't know if anything was meant by it. But they made the special, and then that was it. It was there was never any Ruddles any ever again. You know, no one's ever uh, heard of this. Well, except not exactly <laughs> as I found out today because I did well. not know this. Um, there was a number of other things. For one thing, there was a second yeah. album. Yeah, the was it ninety six something like that, which Eric Idle had no part of. Yeah. For whatever reasons. There was actually a Ruddles 2. Yeah. Which, strangely, everyone but Eric Idle did not have a part of. <laughs> yeah, it was 2004, I think. Uh, I don't I can't was, remember. Was that the one, all you need, uh, sorry, can't buy me lunch? Yes. 
Yeah, that was 2004. Now, interestingly, I looked this up and found out that the Ruddles actually had been touring. Like, they got back together oh. and they toured. Um, and they were touring, or about to tour again, just when Neil Ennis passed away, and I think it was 2019. Um, but I, this morning, was just looking online for extra information, and came across the fact that there was a Ruddles 2. Max, did you know before I texted you this morning that there was a nope. Ruddles 2? No. Not at all. Never, it never occurred to me. Um, did you watch it? I, I watched the opening, and that was about it. I watched the whole thing. Yeah? How was it? Here's the thing. Ruddles 2 is the movie Ruddles 1 should have been. Ooh. And here's why. Now, to be fair, there is no new Ruddles... Well, that's not true. There's, there's outtakes that weren't used in the first film. There's also a lot of footage from the first film. Basically, anything of the band is, was uh -huh. footage from the first film, either used uh -huh. or not used. There's a lot more extra guests in here, and they're honestly used a lot better. And quite honestly, the whole thing is a lot funnier to me than uh -huh. the first Ruddles was. So Interesting. So the reason as is they were, they were funny is not only the guests they got, but they actually let the guests talk even more. So we were talking about how one of the most uh, enjoyable guests in the, the Ruddles film was Mick Jagger because he was really into it. And yeah. he would say things like, oh, yes, you know, we knew them when we loved their music, blah, 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 blah. So here's the guest list of most of the people that I saw. Tom Hanks, oh. Gary Shandling, Billy Connolly, who is hilarious, Carrie Fisher, Steve oh. Martin, Graham Nash, Robin Williams, Bonnie Raitt, oh. Jewel. Not the Bonnie Raitt. The Bonnie, Bonnie Raitt. <laughs> Jewel, Jimmy oh. Fallon, Salman Rushdie. Salman Rushdie? <laughs> yep, a lot. One of these things is not like the other. Conan O'Brien. Uh-huh. David Bowie. Oh, Lord. And James Taylor. Yeah, I have no idea how wow. they got these people. There's one point, though, where he's, he's supposed like Eric Idle is talking to Jennifer, Lo Jennifer Lopez, and he goes down to Puerto Rico to see her, only to find out that she actually lives in New York. So he goes back to New York, and <laughs> outside of the apartment, he's like, this apartment, he's like, and this is Jennifer Lopez, and this is where she lives, and he starts talking to this woman who is probably a Jennifer Lopez, but it's not <laughs> the Jennifer not Lopez. Not the Jennifer Lopez, okay. Every time they cut to Billy Connolly, he just trashes the bed. Oh, they were horrible. I hate the music. It was <laughs> terrible. Um, and Conan O'Brien um, comes up with this theory, which is at first just in the eye series going, and then it's just like, what the hell? His, his line was, okay, so you play Sergeant Rudder's darts club band backwards along with Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz, and it, it all comes together into an episode okay. of Bonanza. <laughs> Um, there's one point where, uh, I'm guessing it was right after he played Popeye because Robin Williams' hair is inexplicably blonde. I don't oh. know, but he's playing this odd German character and he's like, oh yeah, there was nothing like the Ruttles. I mean, there would never be any, any communist band. What would you have? The, the, the village people's Republic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's also at the very end of the film, there are some great, uh, outtake footage of li pretty much everybody just like losing it and laughing because they were having such a good time. Mike Nichols is in there of all people. He's in there for, he's a famous director. Um, yeah, he's yeah. also part of Nichols and May, which is a big comedy team. Sure. From, and they sit him down and he's like, you know, Eric Idle is saying things like, oh, it's so nice of you to have us here and talk about the, the Ruttles. And we want to talk about the Ruttles, uh, hard days rut. Um, and you know, such a great film and so wonderfully funny. And Mike Nichols just looks in the camera, deadpan and says, you wait, you actually like that? Uh, oh, well, yes, it's so, and he just like, I'm out of here, and he just gets up and leaves. Uh, that sounds like Mike Nichols. Okay, well, this sounds, maybe we should have done that instead. Well, but we didn't know. And yeah, never the, knew it existed. The thing is, is that this is weird, is the first film, it's co-directed. I don't know who wrote it or whatever. The second film is directed, written, and produced by Eric Idle. It's like, it's uh, all him, and then the Ruddles footage. Um and I was watching it cold because I, again, I didn't know. And it's like, oh, sequel. And I'd never heard of it. So it's like, well, how good can this be for my money? Well, we'll get to this towards the end. Um, pretty much all my other notes are just this person's in it. This person's in it. What other notes do you have about the Ruddles? All you need is cash, Max. I do. I do like Mick's line at the end 
when uh, the interviewers ask him, do you think they'll ever get back together? He says, I hope not. <laughs> I also, just in terms of the, the, the people who are in it, you know, Kim Wilde is one of the teenagers in the Roof concert. Who's that? Uh, saying the kids in America. She had a few hits. Oh, okay. Some of, I, I can sort of see why um, Ringo didn't like some of this, the more on-target uh, parts about the, the sort of the end of the career, the way they were all getting married and the, uh, and the band, they were drifting in different directions. And there's that kind of nasty shot at uh, George Harrison getting really into spirituality with the Maharishi. <laughs> yeah. That he ends up with, you know, Stig ends up with this guy, Arthur Sultan. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever he is. And I do like the, you know, we're all very shocked, stunned. Yeah. yeah very stunned. And yeah. Shocked. When they find that, you know, Leggy, this is, again, a, a very odd thing to parody, because clearly it's, it's it's Brian Epstein who died, who committed suicide. In this, you know, Leggy leaves the band because he accepted a, a teaching position in Australia. And they're very stunned that he would go to Australia. And shocked. And shocked. Shocked and, and stunned, yeah. Yeah, stunned. Yes. <laughs> and how Bob Dylan introduced them to tea. Yeah. I remember watching that going, okay, no. Four Englishmen, and you're saying an American introduced them to tea? No. <laughs> Come on. You could have done something else. Also notice that Bob Dylan doesn't actually appear in the film except for his own concert a footage. Well, a photograph, yeah, yeah. They use a lot of actual, by the way, a lot, all those screaming fans oh, yeah. and like the Liverpool rally, that's all Beatles footage and they all got, they, Beatles gave them permission to use it. Yeah. I do like how, and then at the end, what is it, it becomes incredibly litigious and they're all suing each other and you know, <laughs> Stig accidentally sued himself. Yeah. Again, ouch. That's, that's kind of dark. But, yeah, that's about uh, that's pretty much most of what I've got. Well, I think we should probably get to yeah. uh, that roundup thing that we like to do. Yeah. The Roundup. So, so Mike! Damn! <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I win! Win? What? Yeah, yeah. So, you had you had seen this on videotape years after it came out, a yeah. long time ago. You listened to the album all the time, apparently. Yeah. What did you think? So, I think when I started off talking about parody in the music, I think that's one of the problems I have with this this film, the original one, All You Need Is Lunch, I don't think it's very funny. Um, oh. I think that the Beatles... Here's the other problem. The Beatles story, whatever you want to call it, mythology, whatever, has been told so many times. We all It's like finding out, oh, wait, what, Batman's parents were murdered? Really? Wow, I didn't know that. Um, I thought... Like, I didn't think Eric Idle was funny in this. Really? Um, I just... I didn't laugh. Like, there was two times I laughed in this film out loud. One of them was with Ruddling Orange Peel and his wife screaming. It's like, you're lying. You always lie. That I thought was funny. <laughs> and the, what's it like to be such an asshole? That I thought was funny. <laughs> probably have to beep that. Um, I liked seeing who they could get because it was like, what is this person doing here? And you're just like, if you don't know that Mick Jagger's not only going to show up, but he's going to sit there as long as you want him to and talk about this fake band, the Ruddles. Mick was totally fine with it. I don't know what they gave him because it couldn't have been money. There wasn't enough in the budget. Um, and that was fun. Um, you know, interjecting, you know, the little thing you do where you add an extra member and name them, you know, Zeppo, Leppo, or Gummo. You know, that's cute. <laughs> Leppo apparently left because he just stood at the back and didn't do very much. Oh. oh, yeah. That was the other bit of trivia. Leppo, the guy who played him, he was the singing voice for Eric Idle. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that George Harrison is in it lends a real level of credulity to it. Um, but in general, I didn't really laugh. It, like, it wasn't... I didn't think they took it far enough. I, when I saw that it was Lorne Michaels, it's like, oh, that's why it's not funny. Okay, I get it. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, let's face it. He spent decades learning how not to be funny. Um, SNL, that's my proof. So I, I thought the songs were cute and catchy. They felt like knockoff songs from the 60s, and that they were very successful, but didn't really make me laugh. How about you? Uh, I guess I enjoyed it more, but you, we we're also viewing this from, you know, 2022. In 1978, there weren't quite as many Beatles documentaries. We no. hadn't hit the overload. No. 
there's a, more of an innocence to this because also at this point all four Beatles were alive. Yeah, we hadn't. They hadn't had the kind of tragedy that we knew that was going to come only a few short years later. Yeah, two. Uh, I thought uh, Lennon was shot in '81. I thought it was '80. Yeah. yeah, might have been. I think. First of all, I think Eric Idle's friggin' hilarious in this. I love him as the interviewer. He had a number of lines that just. He delivers them so flatly, it takes you a second to realize, you know, as far from home and far from talented. <laughs> I think a lot, it, it, that made me laugh. I liked the interviews. I, I liked uh, the fact that, the, I think a lot of the, for me, a lot of the jokes land. Because it just felt very much like a Monty Python sketch. Some of it doesn't work. I, I agree. I think it is too long. Yeah. I think they could have cut it back. Which it sounds like they did in the second one, because the second one is less than an hour long. I think it's 56 minutes, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. I just, uh, I, I think it also shows, the best parody to me is parody done by people who love the subject matter. And it's clear from this that they, whoever, the people who did this know the Beatles and love the Beatles and are not afraid to tweak them a little bit. I think it, I like it. I think it's fun. It's definitely dated. It's yeah. very very late 70s. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it would work with an audience today. And I just like, I don't really think the Ruttles music, it, it, it's inoffensive, but I think it would bore most people today. Yeah. It, it's not, I mean, that's why knockoff, right? It's like not yeah. the stuff you remember, but you couldn't buy the Beatles records because it was sold out. Well, here's this. <laughs> but um, I do think, I do think it's a nice, especially for the time. I think it was a really interesting picture of uh, it's another aspect of the beatles it, parody is a way you learn about people sometimes or you yeah. learn about the subject and I, I think this this did that i think it's well done i just don't think it's funny it uh, felt like okay. one of those monty python skits that took the whole episode oh like yeah. the blamange and it's like uh, right that's just what it neutron. felt like yeah that's what it felt like to me it's like there's a few cute bits the thing i like about the blamange is when you finally get to the blamange and it's obviously four people in a sheet with a tennis racket <laughs> yeah. um but i i would say if you're interested if you're a beatles fan and you're a completist with an a and you want to look this <laughs> up honestly don't overlook the ruddles too here's the thing it's not really a sequel. It's really kind of, it's sort of the way that Evil Dead 2 is not a sequel of Evil <laughs> Dead 1. It's really just a better version of the first film. To me, Ruddles 2 is a better and funnier film. I laughed out loud all through it. And most of it, some of it was Eric Idle. And some of the stuff he does, I just, I thought was hilarious. Um, but letting the people they got, especially Billy Con I mean, Billy Colley, I don't think he can help but be funny. But even people like Bonnie Raitt, just one point she's sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah, I loved Stig. I had him on my pillow, and every night I would I would kiss it and lick it. And, and it's just like, wait, Bonnie <laughs> ah. Raitt? I know! But she was obviously had a good sense of humor about it. So okay. check out, look it up. They're both on YouTube. That's how we saw them. Um, maybe yeah. there's somehow you can get them on eBay. But if you want to see the Ruddles, all you need is cash or uh, the Ruddles, the other one, the two. Uh, Can't like buy me lunch. That one. Um, they're both on YouTube, so they're free. Yeah. Highly recommended. Um, yep. But we have a poll question for you to go over and tell people how to answer it. Yep, we do. The question, what obscure or at least lesser known comic book character, not necessarily a superhero, absolutely needs their own movie? Needs. Needs. And you can let us know this answer. You can email us at us at maxmikemovies.com, which also is the, strangely enough, address of our website, <gasps> MaxMikeMovies.com, where you can leave a comment. Shocked. Yep, you can find us on the Mediated Socialness, on Facebook, and for the moment on Twitter. Yeah. Unless Elon decides we're not real people, because we have to verify. Uh, you can hear us on the podcast app of your choice. Heck, we're they're adding new ones every day. They don't even tell us. Yep. Not that we see a dime for it. <laughs> we don't see a dime for anything. <laughs> well, you just wait. The well, bump, that bumpy chia pet is going to bring in the money. <laughs> hey, if we had accepted that that sweet, sweet deep house cash, <laughs> you would have or to of course Rogue Warfare Three. Yeah. Hey, uh, folks, if you're doing four, let us know. <laughs> yeah, please. Seriously, let Rogue us know. Warfare I can't even say that. Rogue Warfare. Yeah. I, no, I can't. But we are not done with the Fab Four mop tops. No, are we? So. What do we got next week? Well, I thought, since now we've seen a mockumentary and we've seen films that have Beatles music in it without actually having the Beatles in it, 
um, or are in fact not in any way about the Beatles, maybe we <laughs> should uh, circle back around to, you know, the actual um, Beatles. So we're going to see Cleopatra starring the Beatles Wait, and what? Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm pretty sure they're in it. Well, no, nope, I'm pretty sure that's Herman's Hermits. Oh, maybe you're right. Well, I guess yeah. we'll have to watch Hard Day's Night instead. We were oh, going to okay. watch Cleopatra, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure has the Beatles in it. But instead, <laughs> we'll have to watch Hard Day's Night, which I think I'm... is Elizabeth Taylor free. <laughs> This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.